0: I think people think, oh, there's 750,000 podcasts. If I just send an email, I can get on one and tell them how great I am. But again, when you're pitching, that's the wrong approach. It's not about you. It's not about how great you are. It's not necessarily even about your story or your expertise. It's about the audience. So there's three people in that interaction. That person is the audience, the host, and you as the guest. And in the middle is the interview. So... Who are you talking to? What do you want them to do as a result of hearing you on the show? And also, who is the audience and what do they want to learn as a result of hearing you on the show? So that's where the pitch is, not in, hey, I'm an awesome person. I know all this stuff. Can I come on your show? Because to me, as a producer, my response is, so what? Who cares? So if that's right. gonna be the response when you test the pitch, because you should always test it on yourself, would I say yes? And if it's so what, who cares? Then you need to just redefine.
1: Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help entrepreneurs and business owners not only grow their businesses, but scale them. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the founders who have successfully scaled their own businesses. On this episode, we welcome Kelly Glover, the founder of Talent Squad. Kelly has booked thousands of podcast interviews and works with entrepreneurs, authors, and experts. Kelly's experience comes from 18 years working in the media. She has been a celebrity interviewer, talent agent, radio host, and podcast producer. Kelly is here today to teach you how being a podcast guest can benefit your brand and your business. She also breaks down how to distill your core message, package your expertise, how to effectively pitch the media, and nail your guest interviews for maximum value. A few other key lessons from this episode are podcast guesting. Yes, it is a real thing uh, and an unbelievable opportunity to jumpstart the growth of your company by launching your own podcast is more of a long tail growth strategy while guesting is a shorter term strategy podcast testing it's not about you it's about the audience and make sure your pitch is tailored for that audience size doesn't always matter when pitching a show make sure you can add value to the audience that's in front of you how to effectively guest on a podcast Hint: the key is to make it easy for the producer and the host and how to reproduce and repurpose your podcast guesting episode content for for maximum impact before I take it into, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you like, subscribe, and share the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms so we can help other entrepreneurs. Also, please make sure to check out the new free resources page on BrettTrainer.com forward slash resources for downloads, promos, and to sign up for our bi-monthly newsletter. Now, on to the intro. Welcome back. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies, led by your host, Brett Trainer. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the show.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, Brett.
1: And greetings, I know, and I appreciate you getting up early, even though it's not early for you to, uh, to join us on the podcast this morning. Why don't you share with the audience what time it is?
0: So I'm um doing this from Australia at the moment. I always go home for the summertime. I ditch out of snow and I got up at 3:30 and this is a 5 a.m. record. And I listen to my it. voice. I'm happy about it. I've got no problems. I love it. This is yeah. perfect for me. I chose the time. I chose I would, 5 a.m.
1: You did. And it's, you know, I'd be almost six cups of coffee into the day starting this. So thank you for getting up early.
0: <laughs> no problem. It's a pleasure.
1: So, to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about Talent Squad, what you're working on today, um, just to give the audience a little bit more background, and then I'd like to take you down memory lane just for a quick trip to, to how you got to this place before we get into kind of the growth lesson I wanted to talk about with podcasting today.
0: Sure. So yes, I run the Talent Squad. It's a podcast guest booking agency and we book podcast tours for entrepreneurs and authors. So podcasting is relatively new to a lot of people. However, I started back in 2007. I was on community radio. I ended up going to the National Radio School in Australia where they take 10 students to study commercial radio and ended up as a radio announcer on air. So I did um, the sub... (laughs) The Love Song Dedication Show, syndicated regionally across Australia. Uh, Spoiler alert, best job ever. (laughs) Um, And then from being a radio announcer, I got into podcasting, writing show notes, doing bookings for another agency, was a podcast producer for the world's biggest women's network. And from there, decided to venture out on my own and uh, open my own agency, which is the Talent Squad. And we focus on, like I said booking guests on podcasts. So we do podcast tours.
1: Okay. That's awesome.
0: A snapshot.
1: That's really good. And just to some little context, how long ago did you start the talent squad?
0: So in 2017, so we're recording this interview in 2020. So we're going into the third year of business and it's been, I think this is pretty indicative of a lot of practitioners as well. People are experts in their field and they know how to do that thing. But when you go into business for yourself, you then have to learn all the business stuff with it. So what's the staffing? What's the money side of it? What's the revenue model? So it's for example, profit first or however you do that. So it's all the business moving parts behind the scene in addition to, yeah, I know how to do the thing. So that's been the learning curve, especially yeah. in a new industry like podcasting where the target is moving every single week.
1: It is, <laughs> and being on it this is. end of it, I can I can I can vouch for that. And you know, I think the fact that you started in the podcast world '07 is what you and maybe three or four. And I'm being <laughs> joking at the number of folks, but it was very limited at the number of people in this space at that time.
0: Yeah, well, when I started, it was I was in a community radio show, so I hadn't even gotten to radio school or done commercial yet, and it was pulling the radio show off the logger, taking out the songs and taking out the commercials. So really it was a radio without a radio show without this, just the talking bits Trunk put into a podcast. And that was quite a, it was really hard. It was like six pages of documents. You had to follow all the process. It took hours. You'd have to stay back after the show. But that was the first iteration for me, at least of podcast. There are people way before me, but that's when I got started.
1: Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And then when you started the Talent Squad, you must have saw a gap, right? Because I think, what was it, about two, three years ago, and it probably hasn't even hit mainstream yet, but getting closer to the mainstream where you saw an opportunity in the marketplace to say, hey, I can help fill this gap with, with entrepreneurs and, you know, uh, as you said, authors.
0: Yeah, well, I wasn't the first. Other people had done it before, but I think I was one of the earlier, uh, the generation. There's a lot of people doing it now that, you know, there's virtual assistants, people doing it. But I think the important thing is having the producer background because you know what producers want, the announcer background. So you know what hosts want. So coming at it from all angles and having been a content creator as well. So it's not just about plugging holes. It's about a full strategy Because yeah, you can get yourself booked on podcasts, but do you know how to handle the interview? Do you know how to do the promote, leverage and repurpose on the other side? Do you have all your assets beginning in the middle? Sorry, assets beginning in the middle? Makes no sense. (laughs) Assets before you pitch, you know, your online press kit, your media one sheet. Do you have your talking points ready? Because anyone can send an email and pitch, but it needs to be very specific, even just to get it opened, to get the yes to do the interview, to nail the interview, to make it worth your while. So it's more than I think, hey, I want to get booked on podcasts is like step seven of the process and just one little piece of it. Yeah. But again, that's all you don't know unless you know. So why would you? It just seems like a good idea. Everyone's doing it. But in this scenario, I would say a lot of people say done is better than perfect. But when it comes to pitching, your pitch needs to be perfect. Otherwise it won't even get opened. So yeah. it's just a little different approach, just something different to consider. Not every no. approach fits every medium or process. So it's something to think about.
1: Thus the the matchmaker service, right? Finding the right guests, the right hosts, the right shows, the right content. And, you know, I can speak from experience. The first time I was a guest on a podcast, you know, I was kind of freaking out a little bit because there was no real guidance of what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> right. I can go 15 different ways and learn from that. And then when I flipped the switch and started my own podcast, it was, you know, I have a general idea who whoever I want to talk to and started with, obviously, friends and family in my network. And then as it started to gain some traction, expand beyond that, then I realized, wow, I do need to get this, you know, a little bit more refined because I don't want to waste the guest's time and I want to make sure it's relevant. And and just to add on to that, and I'll turn it back to you, was, you know, some of the people that are reaching out to be guests on my show, part of my reaction is, have you ever listened to this show or at least looked at the show notes because you're very credible and great background, but it's just not a fit for for my audience or what we're talking about.
0: And that's what's happened with the deprofessionalization of the industry is anyone can send an email. So a lot of people are just sending copy and paste emails, inappropriate guests to shows. So they're wasting the show's time. And that's why having either an agency like myself, the talent squad represent you is important or making sure the person on your team that is pitching you knows what they're doing, whether that be you, a team member or a virtual assistant, because there's, there's many ways to do this because sending the wrong pitch to the wrong show is going to damage your brand. It shows that you don't know what you're talking about. It just puts you in a really bad light.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's so true. And I've definitely become much more selective. And I, you know, I thought it was fun when people started outreach for the first time, you know, oh, great, getting some traction. People want to be on the show. Now I've actually have to say no and, you know, outline the reasons. And so, I mean, it's a it's a good problem, but it highlighted something I really hadn't thought about.
0: And I think that's another thing, like people are just starting to cotton on to podcast guesting as, as a strategy to build your personal brand. And, I think people think, oh, there's 750,000 podcasts. If I just send an email, I can get on one and tell them how great I am. But again, when you're pitching, that's the wrong approach. It's not about you. It's not about how great you are. It's not necessarily even about your story or your expertise. It's about the audience. So there's three people in that interaction. That person is the audience, the host, and you as the guest. And in the middle is the interview. So Who are you talking to? What do you want them to do as a result of hearing you on the show? And also, who is the audience and what do they want to learn as a result of hearing you on the show? So that's where the pitch is, not in, hey, I'm an awesome person. I know all this stuff. Can I come on your show? Because to me, as a producer, my response is, so what? Who cares? So if that's going to be the response when you test the pitch, because you should always test it on yourself, would I say yes? And if it's so what, who cares? Then you need to just redefine.
1: Rethink. Yeah, very good point. And I know we kind of jumped into the meat of it. So maybe if we could just take a a quick step back, because I think, you know, as I was doing some research on you and the work that you've done, and obviously a ton of time in the, the industry as entrepreneurs and, you know, founders of. Of businesses there 's really two paths one you know you 're hearing from everybody, start your own podcast, start your own podcast, and while I think that makes sense it it takes you know it 's a little bit of a longer tail. you just can't i mean technically, you could turn on the microphone, record, and be done, but as we 've kind of outlined there's there's more process to it and then on the flip side, where I think there's a quicker ROI if done correctly, is you know be any guest on on different podcasts. so what i 'd like to do is dig in deeper on both, but maybe start with you know starting your own podcast just from your experience, you know, why you would do it. And we can touch, you know, run through it, because I think that would be a whole nother episode on on how to to start a podcast. And then we can get into the guesting, which I think is gonna add a lot of value based on this audience.
0: Yeah. So Brett, I think it is asking the questions upfront and reverse engineering. Again, I always do that with everything. So who are you trying to talk to and what do you want them to do as a result of hearing you on your show? So do you have an audience? If not, you need to build it from scratch. Then know that you're speaking to the same audience. So what is the purpose of that? A lot of people enter into podcasting thinking I need to do an episode a week for the rest of my life. I'm doing this giant show and I need to get tons of downloads. So that is the what most people think. But that's not actually the truth. You don't have to have tons, millions downloads, be Joe Rogan, even though that's great, because if you look at people want sponsorship, they want advertisements, but the average CPM is $25 per thousand listeners, right? So to make a hundred dollars, you got to have 4,000 listeners. So that's probably, I don't think that's worth it to me to go for the, the volume of listener model. However, if you are using, you can use podcasts in different ways. Maybe it's for content. Maybe the target isn't actually the audience, the listeners. Maybe the target is the person that you're inviting on the show. And maybe that person could be a potential client. And maybe that client is worth $1,000, $2,000 a month, whatever the number is. So therefore, you get a client for a year at $2,000 a month. Well, that's $24,000 a year. Think about how many thousands of listeners you would need per year to cover that. So there's different ways of approaching, I want to start a podcast. Yeah. So that's just, that's just something to think about. And again, it's just, we don't know what we don't know. It's a new medium and our default is need show, need audience, need listeners, need let downloads, but is that actually true? So I would think about that upfront. What is the purpose of you doing a show?
1: yeah I think that makes so much sense and I do I think you're right there. I think that I've, at least i've seen the two paths. one is to get messaging out to your potential audience, and then two your guests being potential you know customers of your business and both again as long as you're adding value in both cases versus trying to be a pitch on <laughs> and, and in either one it's not going to work right
0: yeah, and then you can so it's meeting. if you do fifty two episodes a year that's Uh, personal connections with 52 people, plus you're talking about the audience, then you can break down that content. So if you have a potential client coming through, what you can do is say, you know what? I did this great podcast and send them the podcast. So that's a different method of using the episode. Again, that's got nothing to do with downloads. That's one person listening to one show, but that can expedite the no like and trust factor, which I think is huge in podcasts. If you look at other mediums, read a blog post, Check out this YouTube video for three minutes. Everything has its place. Don't get me wrong. But 30 minutes of in somebody's ear, they can tell if they like you. They can tell if they know what you're talking about. It really is that one-to-one relationship. So I think the medium is hugely valuable and it's how you use it.
1: Yeah. And I couldn't agree more with you. And and like I said, maybe we'll have you down in a future episode to talk about, you know, how to start a podcast and the best way to think about it. So you're, you know, not trial by error. Enough people have gone through the process now without having to reinvent the wheel. Right.
0: And it doesn't have to be, there's a thing called podfade. And that's everyone getting excited, buying the mics, doing all the things, but then you suddenly realize, I've got to do the recording. I've got to do the editing. I've got to do the show notes. I've got to do the graphics. I've got to push it out. I've got to get the show run. I've got all these, all these little things that is what a producer does that goes through it. And then suddenly they're like, this is a whole job. I don't think I can handle this. Well, I invite you to think a different way. You don't have to do 52 episodes you could do a 10 episode or an eight episode series and think of it as a vertical in one area of your business. It can be self-contained. And again, reverse engineer. When I'm watching Netflix, sometimes I just want an encapsulated eight episode series where I can burn through it and I feel like I've got the whole thing as opposed to... And CIS and there's 2,000 episodes that I need to listen to that I'll never get through. Right. So, or starting games of Game of Thrones from the beginning, <laughs> which I've done twice by now. But you know, that's a different thing. Sure. So you can think about it in a different way. It doesn't have to be 52 episodes a year for the rest of my life, and I need to get a million downloads. Think about it differently.
1: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and it's frankly, good advice. Think about the like you said then top series on netflix they release them in bunches and then they take a little hiatus for six weeks eight weeks sometimes to the dismay of the the viewers but i think that was you know kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't you give it everybody at once 90 percent are probably binge watching i'm making up that number but it seems like to your point if a new series comes out you're gonna in two or three days try to get through as many episodes as possible
0: And I think as media consumers and business people learning something, we each have an area that we're working on right now, and then you move past that area. So often, if I want to learn about whatever the thing is, I want to consume everything in that vertical in one time because that's what I'm working on. So if you had a series of eight episodes on whatever the thing may be, I'm probably going to go through that vertical because a different vertical, instead of doing piece, 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 piece every week. And you have to, like, everyone's going to cherry pick what they don't necessarily listen in order. That's the beauty of podcasting. It's on demand and you've got a back catalog. They're going to go with the topic that suits them at that time. They may have already surpassed element or they may not be there yet. They may may not be ready yet. So just because it's episode three in your back catalog doesn't mean it's my priority, but if you do it in verticals, or groups of programming then I can go yep I'm ready for social media I'm at that point of list building whatever the thing is I'm just using that as an example then I'll consume those eight episodes
1: yeah that's that's really good advice and I actually made some notes for myself to think about that as we yeah. you know transition and to 2020
0: It's whatever podcasting is a medium you can use it however you want think differently to use Apple's branding.
1: No, I like it, and I think that's a, a good segue to really what the the core topic I wanted to talk about today was for, you know, kind of founders and entrepreneurs to think about being guests on different podcasts, and I'm sure some of the same advice is relevant. But maybe we could start with you know why I think it's intuitive why they would want to be a guest on a podcast, but maybe share some of your your insights on you know the top reasons.
0: Yeah. And I'd even do think about doing this before you start your own podcast, because you can get an insight into what it's like being a guest and you go through other people's processes. So be a guest at somebody else's party before you decide to throw the Met Gala, the biggest party of the year, right? So do your internal research and it helps you get better at your own talking topics and all the things. So the benefits of being a podcast guest, the first is expert status. So it helps you get known as an authority in your field. So it's either going to elevate your expert status or if you already have that in play, which is great, it's going to reinforce that. Because as we see, you know, Coke still does advertising. We all know that stuff. The biggest advertisers are one of the biggest in the world. They keep going. So if you just do one podcast interview or media interview, it, who, so what, who cares? You need to stay in your Google searches, stay in all the algorithms and everything. So you need to do multiple, multiple, multiple appearances. And that right. also helps with true influence. I know the word influencer now is equated with, you know, an Instagram person with an awesome filter wearing a cute clothing. But if you want to have real influence, being an expert, in your field and doing those interviews is a way to do that. The other thing is we're talking exposure, that's exposure to new audiences, exposure to niche audiences. And with podcasts, they're highly engaged niche audiences that have already been curated by the host. Huge. You're not starting with scrap, from scratch, you're playing in somebody else's world where they've already done all the legwork for you. And if you're a guest on other people's shows, before we were talking about pushing out 52 episodes a year. If you go on 52 shows a year, that's 52 audiences that somebody else has been working on and 52 relationships you'll get. So that relationship is huge. And we were talking about the triad where it's the audience, the host, and you as the guest. Well, the relationship is between you and the audience and which is a warm introduction because the host by having you on the show has said, yeah, I approve of Kelly. She's awesome. Hey guys, why don't you meet her? I think she's pretty great. So that's a warm introduction, right? And then the relationship with the host is potential for them to be a client, potential for you to be their client, potential for affiliates, cross promotion, partnerships, referrals. So it is that introduction. The other benefit we've already spoken is time. So a blog post, you might just read the headings, you might scan through, you might not get through to the rest of it. Same with a YouTube video, any content, there's so much content. You know Instagram, you flick through Facebook, whatever comes up in the algorithm. But with podcasts, people don't accidentally listen to a podcast. They're looking for it. They start it from the beginning, and their intention, and most of the time, eighty-six percent of the time, is to listen to most or all of the podcast. So much like a book, you don't say, "Oh, I read a couple of pages of book and put it you down." Right. You read the whole book, right? I'm in the middle of a book. People don't say, "I'm in the middle of a blog." Post, I'm in the middle of a YouTube video, but they're in the middle of a podcast because they're on the way to the shops or whatever. They listen at the beginning, they're going to listen to the end because it's a full episode of 30 to 60 minutes on average. And then, of course, SEO, credibility, reputation, and what's underlooked is refining your message. So, yeah, everyone comes to me and says, I want to be on the Tim Ferriss show. That's awesome. How many interviews have you done? I haven't done an interview. Okay, well, you know what? If I was to go on Oprah, you can be sure I want to make sure that I am ready for that opportunity and I don't blow it. And I've practiced my messaging, I've practiced my talking points, I know how to answer an interview question, all these things before I go on that top tier podcast. So start on the smaller shows and work your way up. Put in those hours, put in that experience before you're ready to even pitch those top shows. Because if you punch above your weight, you'll really feel it. And it will also be an indication of you have no business pitching that show. Not yet. Doesn't mean you won't. Doesn't mean you won't get on that show. But you need to, they're going to cross check and verify. Any producer will. And if you don't have the runs on the board or the socials to back it up or the other guesting to back it up, then again that's going to damage your brand.
1: So there's a lot.
0: There's there's a lot.
1: It is, but I think a you know, really good point in the sense that, yeah, don't. And is Tim Ferriss your right audience, right? Sometimes the riches in the niches, yeah. and, and you focus. But I, I really like the idea of that, not even practice, because that's not fair to some of the smaller shows, but to refine the message and really understand what's resonating with different audiences. And, you know, I think that's a, a great lead into my, my next question. So, you know, you've got folks out there think yeah i think i do have some expertise or i've just started my business or back when you started the talent squad and we were thinking about you know being guests on on different podcasts how should they think about what are the best steps to take first is it obviously the message we've we've talked about but kind of give us an overview of how you would approach being a guest for the first time and You know, even I think you said there's a lot of steps before even reaching out to a podcast. So what does that look like?
0: Yeah. So, I and I would, I think there are steps before that. So it's, have you got your messaging right and do an audit, a self audit, and then get someone to cross check? So what do your socials look like? Is your message consistent across the board? Do you have professional headshots or at least headshots that you can push out that can be used in promo materials? Do you have your online press kit? which is all your topics, a talking point, a hook and a headline. They're all different things. So you can't just pitch to a show, Hey, I want to talk about being an entrepreneur. Again, that's who cares? So what, like, what's that got to do with my audience? And what are you saying? And you need to be aware of the market as well, because you might be the expert in your field and have the best talking point in the history of the world. But if old mate Joe was there two weeks ago and he already covered that, you're not going to get in. So you need to do an audit of the back catalogue of the show that you're pitching so you can say, hey, I know Joe spoke about this two weeks ago and I've got XYZ to add to it or I've got a different point of view because if you pitch something that's already been on, that actually shows that you're not aware of what the catalogue of the show is and if you pitch in the opposite way, you can, you can also go, I've got a counterpoint of view to that. So that is valuable. So it's being aware of who has been on the show, the topics that have been on the show, what the audience is interested in. It's looking at all those things. And this is where hiring an agency or having somebody do it for you is important because this is where it takes time. Can you do it? Absolutely. But it's, it's the, it takes time to do it right. And Just getting, And also the other thing to note is just because you pitch a show doesn't mean they're going to say yes. So again, we think podcast, low-hanging fruit, easy, but that's not the case. Like Brett, you said that you're getting pitched a lot of the time more frequently now and you go through them. They're not all a fit, but how many pitches would you say you get per week or per month? And what have you seen from hosts?
1: Yeah. Not hosts.
0: Sorry, you're a host from people that are pitching you. Pitching
1: it. Yeah. No. And... in the early days it was zero <laughs> yeah then it slowly yeah. increased to an occasionally hey you heard the show you know i may be a good fit now uh, i'm say weekdays it's probably 2 to 5 per day some are follow up from previous messages but and i would say interesting it's probably a mix between people an assistant representing the person or I'd say less of it is the actual person looking to be on the show versus, you know, somebody, you know, an, an admin, an agent, not very many agencies. I don't see that very much yet, but looking for it. And, you know, it's hard and maybe that's a, a good point that, because if I get a super long email introduction and then the, the press kit and if you can't get to the, you know, what, to your point, the messaging quickly, you know, what's the value you're going to add to the show? You know, why are you the expert, You know, I may not even read the full email, to be honest with you.
0: No, but that's true. That's what I'm saying. You need to have the, if you don't have a great subject line, won't even get opened. If you don't have two opening lines, won't even read the rest of the email. They're surely not going to look at the one sheet and or the press kit. Now you said five pictures a day. So that's 35. Yeah. If if we do five, that's what I did the calculation for quickly while you were speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Seven fives, 35 over 52 a year, that's 1,820 pitches a year and you've got 52 spots. So when people say to me, oh, it's easy to get on a podcast, well, you've got to beat out 1,700 people to get your one spot. So it is competitive. And if you're putting that, so it's not a gimme. And if you're putting in that time to do all this work for the pitch, you want to make sure that it's right. So, and I think what you've said is hugely valuable because you're the host and you're the person seeing it. And if you are a smaller niche show, imagine what the big guns are
1: getting. If that's almost 2000
0: pictures for a show. So when I was saying practice, I didn't mean that in a rude way. I also mean for the host, it's valuable for the host to have different people. And then the more, the, the longer your show's on the more traction it gets, the bigger the guests. And if you are one of the people to get in early as a guest, you're more likely to come back as a repeat guest as opposed to waiting till that guest is a Tim Ferriss. Well, he's different because he was famous before, but um, a bigger show and then going, oh yeah, they're a successful show now, I'll pitch. Well, sometimes like too late, like get in when they're smaller. I don't think a new show is necessarily a bad thing for both parties. So. Consider that. But yeah, having your messaging, your topics, knowing your personal brand, having your brand assets, having your pitch ready, and then having your tech ready. So if you say, you know what, Kelly, I'd love to have you on the show. And actually my person tomorrow is canceled. Can you record then? It needs to be a yes. You need to be ready. And it's everything brought down from if it's you need to be camera ready. If a lot of the time hosts will be like, Yeah, let's let's go live or we'll, let's film this. So even down to having your tech and background and lighting ready. Yes, they're individual media outlets, but you better act like that's the today show.
1: Right. You know? no. Because
0: that makes it better for you and the host. Like the expectation isn't that it's at that level, but if you, you treat it like that, imagine where you'll be when you do 52 interviews over the course of a year.
1: Yeah, it makes so much sense. And, you know, it kind of reminded me it's, you know, it's how you show up, right? So whether Absolutely. it is a, a startup podcast or, you know, Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan, bring your A-game each time because people are going to hear that. And, you know, one of the things I found before I started the podcast when I was guesting was, you know, I save those as door openers, say, hey, here's here's a little bit of what I did with or talked about on on this podcast. So, I mean, it's not going anywhere, <laughs> right? So yeah. people are going to find it if if they search for it. And you know, I just wanted to tie back one thing you said on the subject of the email. I hadn't even thought about that until we were chatting today. But you know, in the the early days, and it wasn't that long ago, early days, if I got a, a header that said, "Hey, potential podcast guest," I'm like, "Ooh, who's this?" <laughs> now, yeah. if it just says "potential podcast guest," I open. can't See it, then I don't, and it I may mark it for future follow up, but odds are I won't because. You know, I'm already a couple, you know, three or four episodes deep into 2020, and so yeah, it's, I think that's a really good point. Just just like you, in a new you know business development, right? If you're trying to get to a prospect, you better get their attention early in the process, too.
0: Yeah. So at the Talent Squad, we call it clickbait that actually delivers. So we've, and I've, I still, I'll scroll through Instagram, I'll scroll through Facebook and there'll be something that looks cool. And then I'll, I'll have to scroll back up. Cause I'm like, Oh, okay, fine. I'm going to click the thing. Cause I, and you got me, I need to find out what that thing is. And so many times I click it and I have to read through the, you know, and then it's one little nugget and then I'm disappointed. But all those times when you actually get the thing, It's like getting a little candy bar for a reward. (laughs) So that's what it needs to be. It needs to be, you need to clickbait that actually delivers, but then you need to pay it off in the email. Otherwise it's just clickbait and you feel ripped off. So nobody Mm. wants that. So true. And with the podcast guesting, as we've said, so people say, I want to get on podcasts and they jump there, but we've discussed all the before and then you get on the show, but it doesn't just getting the yes, you've still got to do the work during the interview. So are you staying on message? Are you delivering to the audience? Have you got in your sound bites? Do you have your keywords in there? Are you giving a good show to the host? Because in radio, we call it yourself plus 20%. If you just speak as your normal self, it's you just need to give it a bit more energy for it to register with that energy on audio. And in the beginning, you'll feel like a bit of a weirdo. And then you just need to be like, okay, I am going to talk with my hands and I am going to project a little bit. And I might not speak with this much energy to the lady at the supermarket, at the checkout, but on podcasts I will, and that will give a great performance. So if you're not a radio, ex-radio host, you will need to get used to doing that delivery and it's fine, but just know that you'll need to do it a few times before you feel like, okay, yep, i got that one right.
1: All right, and practice makes perfect, right?
0: Yeah. So yeah. again, at the Talent Squad, we say practice in private before you go public. And that just means... Just turn on the little video and practice at home for three minutes a day while you're getting used to your messaging or answering questions because what if the host doesn't mention the book? What if they don't ask you the question that you want them to ask you? What if they ask you a question you don't like? How do you reframe that? So you've got to get all these little interview techniques ready to roll while still staying true to yourself, still delivering to the audience, delivering to the host You know, there's a lot of little techniques involved to do a great interview while giving everybody what they want.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's that's really really good advice in keeping that this is you know audio, right? It may be converted to a blog post or or written, but you know, I my favorite guests. I mean, you're bringing high energy at (laughs) five thirty in the the morning, which is awesome. But that's you know that's what the audience wants to hear is right the engagement the Not necessarily the monotone, and you could have the most add the most value in the world, and it could be the most insightful episode. But if it's one dimensional, I just people tune it out because it's just not. And I don't want to say it's flair over substance, but I think you got to bring the engagement to keep people listening to the to the episode, right?
0: Yeah, and being agreeable is the most boring thing ever. Bring out opposing point of view. You don't have to say you can say different. Things that maybe are a bit challenging, you know, it doesn't have to be me too all the time or me as well. And the other thing with podcast guesting is it's really great for introverts because podcast guesting is look at it as the new speaker tour that you can go on without having to leave the house, right? Right. So you don't have to do the travel, you don't have to show up at the airport, do the TSA check wait at the gate, get on the plane, get off the plane, get your luggage, get the Uber, you're not even at the hotel, go to the conference, you know. So if you are terrified of looking at a set of 500 eyes looking back to you in a room and doing it live without notes, podcasting is great for that because you're really talking to one person, the host, well, to the audience, but you can do it from the comfort of your own home on your own schedule without stage fright.
1: Right. No, to such put a it bluntly. Point. <laughs> and I think we're seeing more of that. I can't tell you, and maybe you attend more conferences than I do, but I haven't been attending with frequency that I have because I can dial into a lot of the same information. You're not, there's, some, there's definitely value to be in live events and the energy
0: Absolutely. and the
1: networking. Absolutely. But just for pure knowledge and learning, I don't know if there's a better medium for this right now.
0: Yeah. And also, are you going to get to 50 conferences a year? I just keep using that for the whole one a week thing. By no means do you have to do that at all, but just, I'm not going to 50 conferences a year, but I can do 50 podcasts. And also they're across the world. And if you do a speaker thing, it's in one room, one time for 30 minutes. Podcasts, they're evergreen. You can listen to that today, next year, you can go back and listen to it. You don't have to have a $500 conference ticket to listen to it if you've missed it. And I don't know about you, I always do this and you think I would have learned my lesson by now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I won't go to that session and I'll watch it in the recording after. And then I'll sign up for the recordings. And do you think I actually listen or watch those recordings of the conference? No. I never do. Like, I still, And I'm dumb because every time I say I'll do it, never do it.
1: No right, it just it doesn't get queued up or something else yeah. takes its place. And you know, to your point that it's there forever. I had a potential prospect reach out to me the other day, and I said, "Oh, he, he actually had heard something guest number two had said about you know product market fit." So that's six months ago plus that 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 was recorded. So and it just kind of ties back to your original point that people are picking and choosing the topics that they're interested in what makes sense, but you know, I, I'm afraid to even go back and listen to the first 10 now based on, you know, hopefully made some, some progress, but you know, it's a good point. It's there. And if the topic's relevant, it's, it's not going to go away.
0: And how many times, just think in regular conversation, I do the, again, I'm in podcasting, so I might be a bit of a different beast, but there's at least a few times a week where I'm like, you know what? I heard this great thing on a podcast and you should listen to that episode. Uh-huh. And someone's going to listen to it. It's a bit like a Netflix referral or a show. What are you listening to? What you, or it's almost like a solution to somebody's problem if they're talking about something. And you're not saying, listen to the whole series for the rest of your life. You're saying, here's one episode and this has got this thing in this person is great. You should listen to it. Because podcasting is edutainment. I hate the term. It's so dorky, but it makes it's sense.
1: true. Yeah. It's,
0: what do we get a podcast? For? I want to learn something and I want to be able to put something in action at the end of that episode.
1: Yeah. And I find myself doing that now too, just like you said, maybe because I'm part of the podcast world now, but it's easier when somebody says, oh, I was just talking about this, you know, training and development. There was a learning thing I heard on this podcast. You should check, I'll send you the link to that. I cannot tell you the last time I sent anybody a link to a blog post or an article or something along those lines that would address the same thing. So it's here here to stay. And I know I've been taking a lot of your time, but there is, you know, one area I want to tie back to and we we kind of talked about it, but we talked about the one sheeter and then the uh, was it a media kit, online so press maybe kit? Yep. Dig into you know what's a must-have on each of those as people are starting to think about podcasting because that's that may take more time than <laughs> some of the other pieces in in putting that together, right?
0: Yeah. So the online press kit is something in, they used to be called EPKs, electronic press kit. And it is something that is a resource for the host, host, if you're on the show and or producer or somebody that you're pitching. So that's got your biography, but it have multiple versions of your biography. The one that you wish they would read the big long one with all the info and then the short one, just so they get an overview. And then one that they could use as a introduction to the show because often hosts will directly read the bio that you've given them. So that's an opportunity for you to really craft that and get everything that you want in there correctly. But it must be updated. You'd be surprised how many I read that say, I've got 12 years experience and the person now has 25 years experience (laughs) and it's because they haven't updated it. You know, Or my kid is eight years, a mother of whatever has an eight-year-old, Well, that kid is now in college. So just make sure you keep it up to date because then it makes you or the host look a bit silly. So that's the biography element. The other element is having headshots and collateral for the host to download. So the idea is for them to do the least amount of work and have everything in one spot. Otherwise, they're searching for it. The first thing they'll ask you is for headshot, bio, scheduling link. They're going to ask you for all these things. So if you can send one portal with everything in it, You've saved hours of work. So having those headshots, something on a white background or, with tran- or transparent, a three-quarter headshot, like think of how that asset is going to get used in promotional material and have it as high res so the host can just right-click, download, and they've got it. And then they can pick from what they want and they know that it's already been pre-approved otherwise it's checking through google and you might end up with a photo that you hate
1: or your linkedin pick, profile pic yeah <laughs> exactly. no it's so true yes
0: So that's your biography. That's your headshot and images. Also your brand logo or personal logo is good because sometimes that will get used in promotional material. So having variations in there, again, don't make me search for it. It's there. I'm going to love you as a producer for that. Having previous interviews. So if you're not a known name, if you're not Tim Ferriss and I don't know who you are, you can very much be the top of your field but I need to see you talking or hear you talking. So show me previous podcast episodes, show me your TED talk, show me some videos. Any producer can click through that and in 30 seconds, they know if you've got the right energy, if you can speak all these different things. So it's for cross-check and verify purposes to see if you'll get through your talking points. You can only fit a certain amount of talking points on a one sheet and in a pitch. It's not going to be everything. So giving the host, I can speak on this topic and here are five points, beneath that topic just gives them a like, oh, I'd like to go down that avenue. I'd like to go down that avenue. It's not telling them what they need to ask. It's giving them an idea of the possibilities and they will go their own way. So it's a starting point. Having your scheduler in there as well, that works out time zones. So the person just, often the host will have their own and I just always love one, especially with daylight savings and time zones and travel. Like One person needs to be able to click one link and figure out the time. So I always, all our clients have their own, but most of the time the hosts gets used. Having your one sheet in the media kit is crucial as well. You may have sent it with the email, but I always have it in there. And then your online press kit should fit in with your branding. So if you're a fun person, then it needs to reflect that. If you're a scientist that's buttoned down and does white papers and academics, then it needs to reflect that too. So it needs to be encapsulating and have all your socials in one spot. So these days you might have your business, you might have your personal brand. You could have, some people have like 20 different social media accounts across LinkedIn, Facebook. I don't want to go and search them, put them in one spot. So all I have to do is click, 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 click. So they're just a few things that you can put in your media kit that make the host's job easy. And yeah. it already shows you're prepared, you're showing up, you're willing to give.
1: You've done this before, right? It's not your first yeah. rodeo, as they say. Yeah, take yeah. the friction out of the process. Anything you can do is definitely appreciated.
0: Yeah. So at the Talent Squad, we've created that for our clients. And it's purely based on, I was a producer and this is what I wanted from people that would come on the shows that I produced, booked, and interviewed. So I've just cr- saved a couple of hours of research for hosts in doing yeah. that.
1: Yeah. No, and it makes, makes perfect sense. And, and you're more professional that way, right? If, if it, I, I get it in the early days, you're just starting, you may not have as much of the background, but if you're an expert, you have eight out of the 10 right pieces yeah. of information that and you're looking for.
0: In my personal one, I've got a little bit of a timeline because showing up with this accent, they're like, what? What has she got to do with America? <laughs> well, I went to college in Ohio and I interned in Hollywood and I lived in Hollywood for five. So you've got a little timeline of all these things so you can see, oh, okay, she makes sense. So, and just all the things that I've done. So like the, how do you get into podcasting? You can see it because I've got like an eight point year timeline of, okay, I started here, I did this and I went there and then, but you can run your eye over that in 30 seconds and Get that sense really quickly instead of having to go and search for it and connect the dots, and that might take you twenty minutes to figure it all out.
1: Yeah, no, and it makes sense. And just a, maybe a follow up question for you: Do you find, and I guess the better the the kit, the less you would need a you know pre call like a fifteen minute. Do you find that's a standard that a, a host or at least a producer will connect with the guest prior to the call, or is that more of a one off? I'm just curious. It
0: depends. It depends. It Every outlet is different. Okay, It depends on the show. It depends on the level, the depth of interviewing and also the experience of the host and what they look. Yeah, it depends. It's a case by case basis. Okay. But I think it's not necessarily about the pre-interview because sometimes they just want to see the chemistry or whatever the thing is, but it takes away the It gets you to the yes quicker because you have given all the information possible. And I think you're more likely to get a yes because they've got everything there in a quick amount of time and it takes the work out of it for them.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And I actually kind of like not having the pre call just because then the conversation's more spontaneous in the sense that it's, I don't wanna say it's rehearsed, but if we've already answered all the questions that's going to influence probably the way I ask or let you go with, you know, the the information you're going to share, maybe good or bad. And maybe I do need to put some more (laughs) structure into it, but I like, and I think, you know, being the podcast host, you can kind of structure the show the way you like to listen to shows. And I like more of, uh, as long as there's value being added, and I like the dialogue and I like that versus here's the six questions we're going to ask and, you know, can you have those answers prepared, please?
0: Yeah. It it hugely depends on the show. Like Guy Ross, how I built this. He personally speaks to everyone before he even gets to the yes. And there's a huge amount of research, but that's a really deeply researched show. That's very different. It's almost like 60 minutes on a podcast. Right. So, so it's different. Yeah. So it just depends. There's no, there's no right or wrong. It's be prepared for everything and just go with it.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like the change and be flexible. Right. Yeah. So true.
0: Awesome. And if you request a pre-interview with me, I'm doing it. That's fine. I'm happy to do that.
1: Yeah. And as a guest, I'm the same way. If you want to chat with, I'm more than happy to jump on. If not, then we can roll. Just give me the general direction of what we're going to talk about. And like you, you're, you're a pro at this. So I think we could have surprised you and you would have been, you know, a great interview today. So, <laughs> uh, oh,
0: thank you. Yeah. And that's well, another skill to have, improv. If you can do an improv class, I highly recommend it. It helps. It really does. For anybody in any element of life, if you're getting up in front of a classroom, in front of a business, doing a podcast, it makes your brain move really quickly. You don't have to perform on stage, stage just do the class bit.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And if, I, if you would have suggested that to me before I started the podcast, I would have said, no way, I can never do it. That's not me. But now I'm like, oh, that could actually be kind of oh. interesting.
0: I took classes and I'm the worst person on stage ever, and I will never do it again. However, the class part is excellent, and I would do it just to get my brain moving for the actual exercises of the class element. But, you know, there's improv classes in your local community, usually that's six weeks, one Wednesday night for a couple of hours. So it really helps. It'll change your life because it yeah. stops you blocking. Okay. It helps you go yes and, and it'll see you where you just put up the blocks all the time. So it's just a good. It's just good for life, honestly. I really recommend that.
1: Shoot, and maybe that was the segue into, because I know we've, we've taken a lot of your time and I really appreciate it. So I don't know if you've got another recommendation, but you know, what I like to do is end kind of the, the interview with what we call the closing time questions, which are two questions, nothing super deep, unless you want to make them deep. Uh, it just gives the audience a, a better chance to get n- to know you a little bit personally. And so the first one, what is one thing you would highly recommend? And if you have something besides doing, you know, the, uh, the improv class, you know, is there something else or is that the one thing that you would highly recommend?
0: Oh, well, we've already said that. So I'll give a bonus one, okay. but really I do rec- absolutely recommend that. Something else I recommend, I'm just going to give a little bit of a tech thing that I discovered in the last year that I found useful at conferences. And that's an app called Abby. A double B double Y. And it's a business card app because so many times I'll get a business card home. And if it doesn't have a photo of the person on it, I will have no no idea. And I always say I'll take notes, but then I can't (laughs) take notes or I can't remember. So I just take a photo of the business card. Then I can hand the business card back and then take a photo of the person. And then it can pull into your CRM. So I found that to be a pretty cool tool that I've used in the last year. Also, the schedulers that we've speaking about—that's pretty standard.
1: Yeah, I like that. Though I've never—it's a b b y y or a b b y,
0: a double b double y. I think double it's y. called Abby, and it's spelled in a weird way, and it's definitely
1: got two Bs. Okay, but it's a business. It's a card. paid
0: version and a free version, and you can just use the free version to give it a go.
1: Which means you're not a paid sponsor with that plug. No, no, just no, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm
0: I pay. I actually got the paid version because I go to a lot of conferences. But I think for someone that doesn't, I think the free version is completely fine. And there's probably other ones too. That's the one that I've discovered. But no, it... taking taking the photo of the business card and the person, how even if you just do it on your phone, oh my gosh,
1: excellent. Game changer. I like it. Yeah. Because right.
0: you remember meeting Mario near the Starbucks. W- at the whatever conference, but you get the card home. You're like, mm, who is this? I don't know.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I struggle with that today if it would, if I don't jump to LinkedIn quickly. Yeah. Right. And oh. it, in business and setting it's, it's easier, but at a conference it's tougher because you got 50 different yeah. companies and people you're introduced and to.
0: And I don't know about you, but a business card is a little bit akin to a book for me. Like I could never throw a book in the garbage. And a business card, I just have a hard time throwing it away because someone's invested in that, you know. And I feel like right. I'm throwing them in the bin. Maybe that's me, and I need to Marie Kondo my life a bit more. <laughs> but um, I just can't. I feel horrible throwing away a business cards. So that takes that away.
1: It's, as well. it's so funny you said that because it was over the uh, the holidays. I actually went through a purge, cleaned up the home office, went through, yeah. and I had business cards oh. probably from fifteen to twenty years ago. I'm like. Yep. I'm fairly certain this person's not in this role oh. anymore that I can finally get rid of them.
0: I still do. Cause I just can't, th- someone paid for that and it's all, yeah, I need to get over that. But anyway, this is what, this helps that, that uh, business, a business card app of some kind is handy. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Thank you. And then last but not least last call, if you could only have one more beverage, kind of think of it as your last meal, what would it be?
0: Okay. This is so easy. Venti hazelnut, Bianco latte, extra hot with an extra shot from Starbucks. It's the most delicious, sugary, probably worst thing you can ever have. I'm convinced it's probably chemicals (laughs) in a cup. And my God, give me the biggest one.
1: Well, if you're going to have a vice, that's probably not a bad one considering the time of day that you get up every morning.
0: (laughs) Oh, and you said consider a meal. It is. I choose to have that instead of food. Benti hazelnut bianco latte. Delicious. I'll have to
1: look it up. It does sound like the most Starbucks drink ever.
0: Oh, I completely think I'm a brat. for, But once (laughs) you taste it, you're like, I will never drink anything again for the rest of my life. This is it.
1: So now the follow-up question is, did you stumble upon that accidentally because... I'm going to have to go back and listen for the show notes to figure out (laughs) what's all in that drink. Was this an experiment or somebody recommended this drink?
0: No, I went, so there's these things called Starbucks reserves. They're like fancy Starbucks. There's only a few of them all around the country. And I went into a Starbucks one day and just ordered a a white chocolate mocha or something like that. And the, the man told me, it's like, you know, this is a reserve Starbucks and we have all these fancy drinks, so you shouldn't just order a normal one. Have a look over here and there's all these drinks. And I tried that one and it was amazing.
1: Oh, and the rest is history, as they say, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So awesome. like I said, I'm in Australia now coming back to LA in a couple of weeks and I go from the airport to get that. It's, it's drugs in a cup, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you got to have the vice and I'm sure there's a lot worse out there than... A oh, coffee drink.
0: I'm fine. I will convert you. Try it yourself. <laughs> Delicious.
1: I will have to try it now. So d- d- definitely appreciate that. And you know, one last thing: if if anyone is interested in learning more about you and the talent squad and the work you do, what's uh, the best place for for folks to find you?
0: Yeah, the talent dot com.
1: Super easy. We'll add that to the show notes. And like I said, check it out. They have a ton of really good free content and. You know Kelly and team are, are, are phenomenal. So Kelly, thank you so much again for getting up early and, and joining us. You know I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience learned a lot. And like I said, we'll have to have you on here for part two to talk You know podcasting in a few months. That works. For I would you.
0: love that. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brett. It's been a pleasure.
1: Awesome. Have a great rest of your day. You too. All right. Bye. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth, to ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit BrettTrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.